The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Points in the Paint podcast. As always, sponsored by Stadium and Zach, we are Stadium's number one NBA podcast, and we are now officially official into the off season, Zach. So we are now in the NBA off season. There's still lots of things to be talking about. Oh, indeed. And that's what we talked about before the final game of the NBA Finals about how much we're going to continue to have much more content for the fans of Points Paint. So, you know, of course, we're looking forward to all the interviews we're going to be having during the offseason. Jeff Goodman is going to be coming on real soon for the dra- for talk about the NBA draft. We're definitely looking forward to it, buddy. Yeah, we're excited. We're going to try to do things this offseason to bring in More of our listeners' opinions in terms of predicting the NBA season, predicting what's going to happen in the offseason, predicting MVP, everything. We want to hear from everyone, and we want to hear the points and the painters join us on uh, on the adventure that is the next NBA season. So we're very excited for that. Um, And for those of us who don't know us, he's Zach Badgerhouse. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And Zach, (laughs) we finally have an NBA champion. It was the Milwaukee Bucks last week. And at this point, it's a little bit of old news, but we want to give the props to Giannis and, and the Milwaukee Bucks for, for winning the title. Listen, it ain't old news. It might have been a week ago, but it's definitely not old news, okay? Listen, Ben, my man's won a championship. Like, I don't think you I don't think you really understand like how important that is for me. I don't know if I really showed my fandom to you as it relates to Giannis, but listen, I like Giannis, Ben. That's my main man. You know you my main man's too. You know what I'm saying? You my main man's. You know, points, points in the paint. You know, oh, make yeah. sure you just make sure you subscribe. You know, you do that <laughs> thing. You do that thing. You press you know, you press subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You know, points in the paint, my main man's. I'm Zach Bradshaw. That's been Winston. He <laughs> but listen, man, I gotta tell you. It is so crazy that Yana's really won a championship. Like it's been yeah. a week. I am still like mind blown. I'm really am. Like 50 piece to close it. 50-piece hold the fries, man. 50-piece yeah. hold the fries. And then he went to go order one, too. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, get some 50 <laughs> Nuggets at Chick-fil-A. But I do. I have to give you your props. You Right before the series started, you said Bucks in seven, and they ended up with Bucks in six. I mean, to be only one game off is impressive. But also, I think the more impressive thing is you believed in the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, I absolutely thought it was the Suns series to lose. I thought they were going to win the series. I, I didn't think they were going to sweep, but I did think they were going to win it. The Bucks showed up. They won four in a row. They went down 2-0 and won four in a row, Zach. It's like the third time that's ever happened, too. I think I know the Miami Heat did it in 2006 against Dallas, but I don't remember the other previous two times. But I know Giannis has one now. <laughs> yeah, Giannis got his ring. And, I, I mean, we already knew he was one of the best players in the NBA, and now he's going to go down as one of the best players in NBA history. And 
you know, we criticized him during the regular season. We said he could do better. He he was showing a lot of weaknesses in terms of shooting and his ability to get to the basket without causing a foul. And to his credit, Zach, and I think it's it's important because we don't see players do this that often, but he changed up a lot of things in the playoffs. He changed up his free throw routine to become better at free throws. He became more stylistic around the rim where he wasn't just bowling over people and getting charges called on him. He actually was able to maneuver himself in a better way and, and become a better scorer in the paint. And he did this all throughout the playoffs. And and he was able to change a big portion of his game in the middle of the playoffs. And it worked out. Mm-hmm. He won the finals MVP. His team won the finals. And it's just a testament to the fact of who he is as a person with just his his craving to just become a better player every single day and his ability to change on a dime and change the way he shoots free throws in the middle of the playoffs, which is insane. You know, he, he just did all of this and his ability to, to not look at himself as someone who can't be changed or can't improve. He did all of it. It worked out. And he's an NBA champion. Well, man, Giannis is a champion of being like, I'm ecstatic, like still, like it, as if it was yesterday, because it's just all the haters, man. It was just so many haters being. And then I, I seen that video, a James Harden resurfaced earlier today about him, you know, throwing shade at Giannis in regards to not having any skill and only being tall and can only dunk, which you've heard me say on this podcast yep. time and time again, as it relates to the haters when they speak of Giannis. Well, let me tell you something. If a man is six foot 11, 250 pounds coming at you, you better get out of my man's way because he's the finals MVP and he's a champion. You can't take it away from him. Bobby Portis is a champion. You can't take that away from Bobby Portis. Middleton is a champion. Drew Holiday champion pj tucker who played with james harden being champion yeah as wild drew holiday the guy who they brought in to, to take in eric bledsoe's spot and he showed up he showed up better than probably what bledsoe would have done points assist wise the whole team was just put together so well and, and they were all in their primes together and they brought in the the good pieces that could complement the stars and everything was just done so well they were a fun team to watch. I had fun watching the Suns, and they would have been a fun team to see win the championship. True. But to see True. Giannis win the NBA title, his first NBA title, winning it at home in front of the fans, starts crying at the end of the game with the confetti coming down. I mean, that is that is a hell of a scene, and it was fun to watch that. Definitely fun to watch, man. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to see what happens with the team next year. But my whole thing is this too, Ben. He solidified. His legacy is cemented as far as I'm concerned. Giannis does have to win another championship as far as I'm concerned. He only really needed to win one in the same type of pattern or path as like a Dirk Nowinski, same team, foreign player. That's how I kind of looked at Giannis's career. Like he really only needs one championship to be considered what after all the accolades, of course, you know, the MVPs that he won, he won two of those defensive player of the year, but to have a championship now, man, that man's legacy is fulfilled. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty close to it. I mean, he can never win an NBA championship again. And he said this on the podium after the game. He said, I can never be here again. And the fact that I already did it, I'm satisfied. I'm happy. I did it. I won the finals. I got the ring. And I, I mean, there's some truth to that. If he doesn't win another NBA championship, I don't think we're really going to look at him any worse than we do right now. I mean, the fact that he's just so dominant, he's a massive Greek freak guy who's, you know, 6'10", 250 pounds. And the guy has the finesse of a, of a point guard down low. He's he's just an incredible player who willed his team 
past some really, really tough Eastern Conference competition in terms of the Nets and getting past a very tough Hawks team and getting past a team that almost seemed destined to win the title in the Phoenix Suns. And he was able to do it all. And he was able to shut out the the critics when they talked about him not playing as good on the road, myself included. And he played well in Phoenix, <laughs> comes back home and he plays well there. So congrats to Giannis. Congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks. It seems like it was a fun party in Milwaukee after that 65 plus thousand there, people. We should have been there. <laughs> Just <laughs> broadcasting the podcast in the middle of 65. Middle of their district. <laughs> that would have been a district. lot of fun. We would have been trampled and maybe not have made it out alive, but it would have been fun. Trampled. Audio would have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been worth it, though. Absolutely worth it. Yep. But now, Zach, the offseason comes along and it's going to be a relatively short one for the Suns and the Bucks, and they're going to have to figure out how to maneuver through that. We're already seeing Drew Holiday over in Tokyo and Middleton. I mean, those guys did not get any break and going over to, to Tokyo. Too. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. And it's it'll be interesting to see how they play with that for the offseason and then into next season because they are really going to have a very short offseason. And then you got to look at it, too, being like they're coming from the bubble, short season, condensed 72 games, NBA finals, long playoff run, of course, Three days later, not even a full week later, Olympics. Like, yeah. yeah, they got some. Yeah, those three guys have been putting in a lot of time on that basketball floor over the yeah. course of like 18 months. Which is good. I mean, it's good for them and, and the fact that they're representing yeah, they the country. Games. And it's great, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to be oh. able to come back next <laughs> season. I mean, we saw what happened with the Heat. We saw what happened with teams like the Nuggets and the Lakers who had to suffer through injuries and resting players. So, I don't expect the Bucks to be that dominant of a regular season team again is what we've seen when Budenholzer, but maybe they will. Giannis is a young guy. He can lead that team. We'll, we'll have to see what he he does for the offseason. But I think it's going to be a very exciting offseason. We already have trade rumors going on. We have the draft coming up, which we're going to talk about. Um, and, and I think there's going to be some teams making some pretty significant moves because – the, this, the the league is open. The league is wide open. There really doesn't seem to be a favorite. And I know people talk about the Lakers and they talk about the Nets. But if this if this postseason has shown anything, it's those teams are beatable still. They're very much within the possibility of beating, unlike what we saw with like the Golden State Warriors in 2016 and 2017, or I guess 2015 and 2017, where they just look completely unbeatable. And what's funny is, it's like you don't really necessarily know what's going to transpire. Like you can guess what's going to happen with the NBA offseason, but you don't really know. Like We're not no. in these guys' heads, right? Like you, you get the report, some guy's not happy or he prefers this destination and so forth. But it's really kind of tough. And so for me, Ben, and like what I'm looking forward to is just to really see like who goes where that are actually free agents. Not the whole, okay, for an example – they say Damian Lillard's not happy. That's a guy we've talked about before. They say he's not happy, and he's on a max deal in, like, year one or two of his contract, and they're talking about trade rumors with him or Ben Simmons or, you know, all the other guys we've talked about. But Kawhi Leonard, that's unrestricted if he if he opts out. Chris Paul, that's unrestricted if he opts out. There's plenty of guys out there that if they opt out, they are unrestricted. Kyle Lowry, unrestricted. You know, there's notable guys out there. There's some shooters here and there, too. You got a— I, heard, I saw that Duncan Robinson was a free agent. If he doesn't go back to Miami, wherever yeah. he goes, that's going to be nice. Danny Green, he's up. He's older in age, has the experience to knock down the three. He's a free agent. Dennis Schroeder, 
free agent. So there are certain guys out there, but we just got to wait and see what truly happens. I'm very interested to see what Kawhi does. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my, that's, that's my radar guy. And as with every off season, and I think it's, it's almost like a ritual at this point is people are talking about Kawhi going somewhere else and talking <laughs> about him going to the Lakers or talking about him going this place and that place. So it's always interesting to see where Kawhi wants to go because wherever he goes, unless it's like the Sacramento Kings or some team like that, they're going to be closer to contenders than anyone else at that point, because of just how good Kawhi is and what he does to elevate a team. Now, I think the Clippers still with him on it, have a chance to be able to get to the finals. Um, and you have a fully healthy Clippers team. And, and I think they really do have a shot to get to the finals, but if he wants to go somewhere else, that's going to completely change the landscape of the entire league again. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But see, the thing is with the Clippers is that if he does stay, they still need they still need to address size. Oh, they yeah. A, they, they, have, they have a front court problem for sure. Clippers have a front court problem. If they if they re-sign him, they still have to address the front court without a doubt. And then also, if you're the Lakers, what do the Lakers need, Ben? What do they need? Well, they need a pretty uh, they need a good point guard. They need another center to match up with Anthony Davis. They need a small forward. They, they need a lot of good. They need a lot of better pieces around those guys. I knew you weren't going to say the number one thing they need. And you know who said it? Someone we've had on the podcast before. And I want to give a shout out to him from CBS Sports. Who is that guy? Because he addressed shooting. Sam Quinn said, for the love yeah. of God on Twitter, if they do not address <laughs> shooting. And I'm like, you got a point, Sam. <laughs> because yeah, they do need some shooters. They need some shooters. And I like the idea of, hear me out on this. I like the idea of Buddy Hill coming over to L.A. Yep. That'll secure a whole, that'll, that'll secure a whole lot in terms of perimeter shooting. Because that's a guy who's guaranteed, according to my fan duel, he is at least three or four, four threes in every game, three or four makes. So yeah. you need that type of pivotal shooting if you're L.A. You obviously need playmaking, too. What better what better playmaker you're going to get in the free agency right now in a veteran and get defense? Because he's, you know, in terms of guard, lead the league in charges, Kyle Lowry. But my whole thing, too, Ben, and what do you think about this? If... They don't sign both Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. I don't want neither one of them. Really? It's both or neither. Yeah, for me, it's both or neither. It's because a package you, deal. Yeah, it, it got to be a package deal. Now, granted, they're not on the same team, all that, yeah. right? You know, one's in Toronto, one's in San Antonio. But if you can some, if you're the Lakers, if you can somehow get both of them, because you don't, I don't, I don't want them to have either or, like either one, like either one, you know, either or. I don't want that. You gotta have. Both of them to be successful if you're the Lakers, because you're going to get that chemistry, right? You get that camaraderie that you that they've already had a relationship for years, you know, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. So to add that aspect and then they come in with a LeBron and an Anthony Davis. We're talking about the 2004 L.A. team that was supposed to beat the Pistons, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think that would be smart. And they do need shooting. They need someone to supplement the inside presence of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and they don't need Kyle Kuzma. They don't need Taylor Horton Tucker on that team. As, as good of pieces as they are, they don't need them. And there was a report on Twitter that the, the Lakers have basically shopped that duo Every everywhere. Team. <laughs> Every team. And they've all just said, nah, we're okay. We don't need them. 
So the Lakers, their offseason is going to be really interesting. And I think what we're going to try to do, too, throughout the offseason, talk to a couple writers, try to get a Lakers writer on, see what he or she has to say about what they are going to be doing this offseason because they're going to be they're, – they're right on – they're on that edge, right, Zach? They're, like, right on that line where they could still win the title, but they need, like, one or two more pieces to be they able to carry. accomplish that. They got to carry Brian. Like, I'm not saying Brian can't carry a team, but he can't have the full load. Like, he can't have the full load of playmaking, scoring, play defense, rebound, make sure every guy is in the right spot. Like, somebody got to do something. <laughs> like, so, right. like so, somebody in the backcourt has to have that ability. And for years, we've seen LeBron have it with Kyrie. We've seen him have it with Dwayne Wade. Guys be able to just take over a game for a few possessions, you know, get a bucket, get a, you know, get someone else involved, whatever the case may be, or even get LeBron the ball where he doesn't have to get his own shot. You know, he can find his way at the basket from another player. And so when you, when I see that LeBron about to be what, 37, 38, you know, 37, this upcoming 37. season. So it's just so tough for them to be in a position where they don't have playmaking and they really need to address it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to follow their offseason. And we've already had some moves. Speaking of the offseason moves, we've already had a move. And and this was just tweeted out today uh, about a Memphis trade with New Orleans. And Memphis, the Grizzlies are sending Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, they're sending picks 17 and 51 in this year's draft to the New Orleans Pelicans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, picks number 10 and 40 in this year's draft, and a top 10 protected pick next year from the Lakers. So you're looking at this trade for players wise, right? Memphis is getting Steven Adams and they're getting Eric Bledsoe. New Orleans is right. getting Jonas Valanciunas. Um, I mean, I, players wise, I think New Orleans is getting the better deal out of this one with Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, he played really well with the Grizzlies. He's a guy who can get a constant double, double every single game. He'll contribute on offense, a solid defender, um, but Memphis is getting the number 10 pick and shipping off the number 17 pick. So Memphis moves into the top 10 um, with this pick. So they get a better pick, um, giving up a better player. So I, honestly, I think this trade for the most part is pretty fair. New Orleans people are now talking about they're going to try to open up some cap space to get Kyle Lowry and maybe to even keep Lonzo Ball. Uh, and Memphis, it seems like, is trying to get into the top 10 of this draft and maybe even go in a little deeper into the draft by trading that 10th pick. And, uh, and that Lakers pick that they have. So a lot of moves can still happen, Zach, with something like this, but that was the trade that happened today. Yeah, I remember I told you, I'm not a fan of the trade simply because from the player perspective, right? You're, you're going to get the same production from both players with, with Steven Adams and Valachunas. My thing with JV is, at least with JV, you can put you can give him the ball on the block and he'll get you a basket. I can't say the same thing for Steven Adams. He's more of a rim runner, you know, pick and roll, pick and do the little floater that he does at the free throw line. Like he doesn't have too many offensive moves as opposed to JV. Now, you know, getting that 10th pick that that is good, but it only depends, but it all depends on who you get. Right. Or if you're trying to package it to maybe do something sure. else, you know, who like who knows? Maybe they're trying to get that pick in order to set something up to package Lonzo for somewhere else or whatever the case may be. For them to try to keep Lonzo and get Kyle Lowry, I don't know, Ben. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's going to take a lot of gymnastics for the uh, cap <laughs> space to be able to get him. And even then, they might not have the money that 
that Kyle Lowry wants. But again, that's just kind of the rumor mill that's trending mm-hmm. around Twitter right now when people are talking about that. So there's already been moves. Draft is is still, you know, as the, when this podcast comes out two game two days away and there's still moves being made. And it's going to be a really fun, fun draft because now, you know, teams have a better sense of when the season's going to begin and they have a better sense of how long the season's going to be. And all the COVID protocols are a lot more normal and a lot more understood. So it's going to be a bit more of a normal draft. And I think teams are going to be more willing to get a little bit more crazy with the trades and, and really focusing on the future. Whereas last year, you know, it was all, no one had any idea what was going on. They weren't being aggressive with anything. It was all a very conservative type of uh, off season. So this is going to be fun. And I think the draft is going to be a lot of fun. And a lot of people have Kate Cunningham going first overall. They have Jalen green going second. So we're going to hopefully be talking to some guests about this. And we'll talk to people after the draft too, to talk to see how their teams did. But this draft is going to be is going to be an interesting one, I think. It's top heavy again. It certainly is. Yeah, top five, top six. Six, I'd probably give it. After hearing Jeff and Doug, probably give it like four. Four or five. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, like four or five. Now the like, but again, it's like they were saying too on the uh, inside the association NBA draft special, which if you didn't get a chance to see that, make sure you check out the clips on stadium, you know, good plug. Absolutely. <laughs> but I want to say this after like Scotty Barnes, maybe going to what, whoever has the fifth pick, like after Orlando, that, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So like, or, or not even, okay. So not them. Who has the fourth pick? So it goes Detroit, Houston, Toronto, Cleveland, right. Toronto, Orlando. Yeah. So Toronto has the fourth pick. After that, I, it's kind of it's kind of iffy being like nobody else really stands out for me. That's just for me. Like Davion Mitchell, I know he gets he can he gets a lot of buzz, especially because of um like he's cleared you know for health reasons like he's cleared now to be fully able to practice and play and everything. So his stock has kind of went up since then. However. <laughs> he's older, man. He's like 22 or 23. You know, that's kind of older coming into the league as opposed to like 19, 20, you know. So yeah. from that perspective, I'm not really sure if any of those guys, well, there's like a Mo, there's Moody. What's his name? Moody Moses or Moses Moody. He's yeah. pretty decent. He's a three and D yeah, guy. Moses but, oh, oh, I'll tell you what. The sleeper, Bo Wright from UConn. That's a dude that may be the next, you know, Donovan Mitchell under the radar in, during the draft, but then become superb in the NBA season. I think Bo Wright might be special. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm looking, you know, there's obviously a lot of mock drafts that have different players going where. And, and usually for the most part right now, the top four, top are five, pretty, equal, are pretty you're seeing the similar stuff throughout the throughout these mock drafts. Right? You have Cade Cunningham going to the Pistons. Jalen Green going to the Rockets, Evan Mobley to Cleveland, Suggs to Toronto, and Scotty Barnes to Orlando. I mean, that seems like, for the most part, is the top five. And and that doesn't seem like it's changing, which, again, goes to your point of how top-heavy the draft is. Because it really is those five guys. that They're all going to be going top five. You're, you're not going to see much movement. But then it gets kind of crazy. And, I mean, you look at a guy like um, Davion Mitchell, who you mentioned. And I've seen... People pick him as high as 11, 12, maybe going 10, the Pacers. But it would make sense for the Magic to go after him at number eight because they already have the fifth pick. And if they're going to go with someone like, say, a Scotty Barnes, who's 19, they're going to get their young guy. They're going to get their young 
guy who played freshman year at Florida State. He's a forward. They're going to get the guy that they want who's under 20. Then you can take the chance or you can afford to take the older guy in Davion Mitchell, who's 22, because then you have the young 19-year-old, you get the 22-year-old. You can have best of both worlds at that point because you have two top 10 picks. If Scotty Barnes was to somehow slip, I want him to go to the Warriors. Don't the Warriors have like the seventh pick? Seventh, yeah. So I want, I would want, if he somehow falls those two or three slots where he's predicted at currently, I'd like for him to go to, I would only like for him to go to the Warriors because I believe the Warriors got something brewing in terms of their two first round picks where they're going to send those two picks off and try to get someone, Ben. I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Pretty confident yeah. they use those two picks. And if I'm Orlando, depending on what you need, you can package your two picks and try to trade down and maybe get a Jalen Suggs or even an Evan Mobley, right? Like, because if you're Orlando, okay, you drafted Cole Anthony. He may look like he's going to be the future, right? Yeah. Then they good. got the yeah. Then you got Markel Fultz, who's trying to you know revamp his career from being hurt all the time. And whatever the Philly doctors did to him and messed his whole jump shot mechanics up for like three yeah. years. So you they got him down there. He's revamping. But the front court, I like Mo, but they haven't really utilized him that much, you know, since he's been there, Mo Bamba. So the next question yeah, Wendell is, Carter, too. Wendell. <laughs> and he did kind of show hey, don't, up. Don't laugh. That's mean. That's I very mean. mean. Wendell's a solid, solid player. Solid. Like, <laughs> like solid. And that's sure, sure. pushing it for real when, not, when you say solid. Like, yeah, right. you okay. You don't get a double-double every night. How you should. I'm okay making fun of him now he's not on the pool. So that's, <laughs> all right. that's fine. I'm okay with that. I can ride that's with that. Right. Okay, I figured you was going to at least be with me on that. He don't play <laughs> the fools no more, so, you know. But I feel like they can go for a, a Evan Mobley. They can get. They need an Evan Mobley, a guy like him. He could turn your franchise around if you ask me. He's mobile, face up, seven footer. He's he's legit seven feet too, Ben. Like he's yeah, he legit is. seven feet tall. So he can you know rim run if need be. He has an offensive game. A little he's a tweener, two fifteen, seven feet. Probably could put on about fifteen twenty pounds. But for the most part, I mean, I like Evan. I want Evan to go to Houston at first, but then after hearing Doug and um, Jeff, I wasn't too sure about that anymore. Yeah, it seems like they're probably going to go with Jalen Green for Houston because, I, I don't know, it seems a little repetitive to have Mobley and Christian Woods together. I, I don't I don't know how well they would work together, and it, it's one of those things where, like, they may work well together. Yeah, they, they may work well together, but it's a big risk, right? It's a big risk when you have someone like Jalen Green who already played in the G League, who you know has the skills to become a really, really good NBA player, maybe even an NBA superstar. You might as well take him. And Mobley may become a superstar too, but Green at least could complement Christian Woods. Christian Woods, and you know, right. you know, would be able to complement Christian Woods for something like that. So, I, I think they're probably going to go Jalen Green. And there was, you know, if you talked to me a month ago when you talked to people talking about the draft, they were saying it's a little bit more even. Maybe Mobley does go to Houston, but in the last couple of weeks, it seems like Jalen Green is becoming more and more what people expect Houston Rockets to take at number two. How you feel about this, Ben? On this topic, last thing on this topic. How do you feel about Kevin Porter? We had a whole, you know, conversation about Kevin Porter in the beginning of the season. And he goes to Houston. And in my opinion, he showed some light to his skill set. Like, he goes out and drops 51 game. You know, I feel like he has the ability to become an all-star star player in this league for the Houston Rockets being only 20 years of age. 
he's only 2021, 20, to be honest. And so I really do feel like Kevin Porter can be that second option for John Wall with Christian Woods. And so the need for Jalen Green, I feel like isn't necessarily there as much unless he plays like the three, but he's only like six, five and a half ish, give or take. So he'd be guarding guys like LeBron and Paul George and Kawhi, you know, every night. It's tough. And Kevin Porter did look, he had games where he looked really good and you looked at him and you were saying, wow, Houston got a steal. This guy is going to be good in the future. He's so young. But I, I would say I think <laughs> the, the inconsistency is worrying. Now, he's young, right? He, he's a young right. guy. And when you have someone that young, you still have to give him a couple of years. Right? Well, well, he's 20, right? He's 20 at this point. He, he still has got a two or three more years before he really can start hitting his prime. So he still has time. Now, if you're going to pick Jalen Green and you're going to just get to give him the minutes – that you were going to give Kevin Porter, that might be a mistake because you might be losing out on someone like Kevin Porter who could really contribute to the team. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic that the Rockets are going to have to deal with. And I don't think they're going to be upset if they find out that Porter and Jalen Green are both really good. And then they have just a, an embarrassment of riches there. But I think it would be a mistake to not take Jalen Green because you still have a good feeling of Kevin Porter. I think you still have to go with the best player available at that time, which will probably be Jalen Green. And Again, we talked about Evan Mobley, and maybe he doesn't fit well with Christian Wood. So I think Jalen Green, even if you think he may take up some time from Kevin Porter and how good Kevin Porter has looked in the past, you have to take him. And I, and I think you're just backed into that space. Whether it's a good or a bad thing, you have to you have to take him there. Do we really want to go into this next team? <laughs> I mean, this team is full of all-stars. You know, they represent the country. But do we really need to – we are, but – do we really want to is what I'm saying. Like, they're just looking they're looking so bad, Ben. Do we really want to do it? <laughs> Zach, we have to show our national pride here. We, we, have, to start, we have to start saying USA at every, every point during the show and during the Olympics. We have to show some pride. So we have to talk about Team USA at least for a second. And honestly, it's almost fun to talk about them now because of how crazy, ridiculous, and how bad they can be at times. Um, they lost against France in their opening game. They play Iran today when the, this podcast comes out Tuesday. So they play them today. I mean, they're, they should win. And you said that they're going to win. But maybe they won't. I don't know the way they've been playing. They could lose to Iran in basketball, which that would be horrible. That's going to ring some bail bells. Okay? Ooh, that would be good. Who in the hell will play for Iran? Okay, we can name a few players that play for France. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they've got solid players. Rudy Gobert, Nicholas Batum. You know they they got some NBA guy Evan Fournier. Who, yeah, they got guys. Mm, don't even get me started. We gonna we gonna get started, but don't even get me started. But Iran, they Say should yes. lose to Iran, bro. There's no, no. way. But you know what's funny, man? <laughs> I was I was thinking this before the end of the before the first game, before the first Team USA game. I'm like, they'll win, but will they cover? I don't know if they and it was at eight and a half, like before I went to bed. And you know, the game came on super early at like seven in the morning. But yes. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, they might not cover, but I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna leave it alone. They not only did they <laughs> not cover, they freaking they lost. lost. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. I should have took France with a plus eight and a half. 
But yeah. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that guy. You like you said, USA, USA. I'm yeah. You know, I left it alone. I'm like, even if they don't cover, I ain't gonna bet for them to cover. So I'm gonna just leave it alone and just let it be. They didn't even cover, being They freaking no. lost. Evan Fournier had like yeah. 30 almost, 28 points, feeding them boys. Team USA, them boys soft right now. T they, at, the uh, end, at the end, soft to tuck. They can't hit shots. And they had a chance to win it. They had a chance to tie it late in the game. Couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat type of thing. And, and <laughs> you think about all these players that they have. Durant, Damian Lillard. They have a embarrassment of riches on that team that can shoot the basketball. And absolutely none of them hit it. Which is insane to me. But it happened. And you had, what, Lillard hit three shots out of like 14. Durant was four for 14. Just some horribly embarrassing numbers for Team USA. And they still have a chance to be able to play into the medals and get a gold. So, you know, one loss to France isn't going to get rid of that. But it makes it so much more difficult. And they do play Iran, which is a team they should absolutely beat. That team, I don't think, has won any gold medals in basketball. Uh, they play the Czech Republic, I believe, after that. Um, and, you know, those are two games they should win, and they should be able to be get into the medal rounds. But again, they're clearly not the old Team USAs that we are used to, and, and they are far removed from the Dream Team. They are far removed from the Redeem Team that we saw in the mid-2000s. I mean, the, this is a team that you know, was hastily put together, had problems with COVID, had some people leave. They brought in JaVale McGee, which... Never a good sign for your team if you have to bring in JaVale McGee. So I don't want to say we saw this coming because even them losing to France, I think, was surprising. But the writing is almost on the wall. JaVale McGee, they needed him because they needed size and he was in shape. Yes. At least I, at least that's what I heard. So I was so I'm like, all right, I can I can handle that. I can handle that. But if you're Kevin Durant, <laughs> like I told my friends, listen. Kevin Durant is like the second, third best player in the world. Not the NBA, but the world. So y'all ain't finna sit here and give this team no excuse. There's no excuse for this team losing the way, the way they are, Ben. No, there's, there's no not. excuse. Bro, Kevin Durant is unhuman. Like, he not even fair. I've said it on this podcast. Bro, Kevin Durant is a cheat code. Walking cheat code. I don't care about no camaraderie, no chemistry, no none of that. You let Evan Fournier... Bro, he like the fifth option on the Boston Celtics. Are you, are you for real? Like, are we for real? Like, are we serious yeah. right now, bro? No, you don't want Rudy that. Go, Rudy Gobert, are you for real? Like, are we doing this right now? He's not even the best center in the NBA. He not even. He probably what? Ooh, fifth best. Ooh, careful where you go here. Careful <laughs> where you go. Here. It is so. I'm. I was so displeased, and I was so happy I didn't wake up at seven in the morning and watch that because it, oh, it yeah. was. It was ridiculous. Like it, I, it don't, it don't make any sense. But it does make sense because at the same time, the style of play, Ben, it's not gonna cut it. That soft pace and space spread out, that ain't what we used to do. We get out in transition, get dunks, layups, play tough, hard nosed defense, get a rebound. That's what I don't understand either. We don't have any size. So, like, Bam Adebayo is your biggest guy. I don't even count Draymond Green as a big. Like, why did y'all even do this? He's supposed to be coming off the bench and somebody 6'11", 6'10", supposed to be in front of Draymond Green. Like, there's no reason. Bam, they could have called Dwight Howard. <laughs> like, 
they they really could have called Dwight. If you was if you were gonna play like this, you could have called Dwight Howard. You know, I know well, you yeah. were Dwight Howard on the dream team. I mean on the uh, 2012 team, 2008 teams. Those were some solid teams. Darren Williams and those Rudy Gay. Guys who are going to play defense, get out in transition. That's all this is. It's like AU. You play hard nose, full court, not full court, but like half court defense, pressure up, get steals, get rebounds, they get out in transition. That's all I've ever seen from the from USA growing up. That's all I've ever seen was transition points. If you're in a half court, the only way they're really in a half court and not necessarily struggling, but it's by possession by possession, it's like a Spain team. It's, they're playing Spain. That's the only reason. That's the only way I would truly remember that being. If they're playing Spain, it may be a little closer. Possessions might be a little tighter. Other than that, I'm, you're not going to tell me that, oh, these guys are better now. No. Nah, damn that. <laughs> like, because these same guys have been around in the NBA. So, no, this style of play is garbage, and y'all playing soft. So this leads to the question, and this is our first overreaction in a in a long time, I think like in a month or so. So Zach, overreaction. Does Team USA losing this much? And it's not a lot, but again, they lost to France. They lost a lot of exhibitions. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a good look for them. So does Team USA losing this much show that basketball education, the way basketball was taught in the in America, isn't up to par with how they're teaching it now in Europe? Are, are the players in Europe now learning better basketball, learning how to play better basketball? than the kids here in America. Because this is a conversation that was going on all over Twitter after the U.S. lost to France. And people were saying, this just shows that the European model and the European way of playing basketball is overshadowing the way kids are taught here in America. And it's showing that they're better players and they're coming out and playing a better style of basketball than America. So is this is it an overreaction? We see them lose to France. We see them lose in exhibition games. And now players, people are saying, oh, we the way players are taught here in America is the wrong way. See, Ben, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You lose a few games, and people get besides themselves. They get talking yeah. crazy. They start like, questioning what? the very base of everything. <laughs> the very base. Like, do they play better basket? No. This is what they do. FIBA, international basketball in general, is more aggressive than NBA today. If we, We're going to talk about today. Like, today. Currently, we all know FIBA is more aggressive. You can do more hell. You can damn near go 10 <laughs> in FIBA. Yes. And I saw a meme, and I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it and I died. It's, it was like a, it was like Kim Kardashian and her mom coming up to each other to hug, and they were crying, like, in terms of, like, joy. The meme was NBA players when they returned for the NBA season, <laughs> Team USA. Because that's how bad oh, no. it is over there that, like, you guys are playing so soft and probably expecting so many calls or four-point plays or fouls on three-point shots. But ain't nobody giving you that. This yeah, ain't it's a lot more aggressive. No, like, yeah. it's a lot more aggressive. Bro, nobody's cutting with that. Nobody's going to deal with that, bro. You want to get a basket, go get one. Like, all that flopping and this and that on offense. Bro, nah, we hand-checking a little bit, too. We rebound, we bang. FIBA basketball is a lot more aggressive right now than the way the NBA is currently constructed. But we all know why. It's all about that dollar. That's what's ruining sports. Money is ruining sports right now, Ben. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Money <laughs> is ruining the fulfillment of sports, bro. I'll be the first one to tell you that. 
That's yeah, the overreaction for you. <laughs> the money's ruining this. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's <laughs> that is a, a podcast episode, a whole episode we can devote, devote to that one for another day. But it was interesting to see people talking about that and really start looking at like the base of American basketball education and saying, oh, we're, we're, we're teaching them wrong. Look at look at all these players. And then, Zach, you have to remember, though. This isn't the peak of the peak of what American basketball has to offer. There's no Anthony Davis. There's no LeBron. There's no Harden. There's no uh, who else are they missing? And they're missing a ton of other players. Kyrie. I mean, there's a lot of players that have not that are not playing on this team that are loads better than some of the players on TV. Loads better than the teams they're facing. So. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on, on looking critically at American basketball they, and looking critically. They just thought at they that. Could, but, at the, but at the same time, being they just thought they could, Team USA could just throw twelve guys yes. out there and get it done. And, that and they going, can't. <laughs> they you can't do that anymore. The, the the international basketball talent since even I mean you could even go back to the nineties has skyrocketed and and I think it's showing now that we're in twenty twenty one. A lot of these players are almost up to like what you would see in a sub-average NBA player. And you put them all together and they have a good night together, they can beat Team USA, who a team that's thrown together at the last second with players that still aren't, you know, the prime of the NBA. Yo, man's understood the assignment. Luca understood the assignment. Yeah, <laughs> 48 100%. points. He understood the assignment. Like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, whoever, Devin Booker, Jeremiah, whoever, understand the assignment. Go get a basket. Quit being soft and go get a bucket and guard somebody. That's the key. Guard someone. Can someone guard somebody? Evan Fournier, again, fifth option. Boston Celtics, leading scorer for France. W. They should be ashamed of themselves. All right, what NBA Twitter is talking about this week, let's do that, Zach, because NBA Twitter has been talking about a lot this week, including the Olympics and including Team USA losing and the Bucks winning the title and – you know, we could talk about Giannis going through the Chick-fil-A drive through ordering a 50-piece set of nuggets from Chick-fil-A and doing that Instagram live of all of that, which was very fun to watch. And Giannis wanting to get sponsored by Chick-fil-A. He tweeted that out after free nuggets for life for Giannis. I don't think Chick-fil-A has even responded to that, which is insane to me. That's like free advertising right there. Free advertising. Then on top of that, being it's Chick-fil-A. So, like, what y'all doing not responding to Giannis? Y'all supposed to have, like, the nicest customer service in the world. <laughs> I went to Chick-fil-A the other day, being got some waffle fries. This lady was so nice to me. She did not have, I was, I told myself, she did not have to be that nice. She told me, oh, it's my pleasure. Like It's their pleasure. The, like, like, emphasis on the my, my yeah. pleasure. Like, okay, I see you love your job, man. All right, I respect that. No, they got to show my man's Giannis some love off the yeah. 50 in front of like I- thousands of people on IG. <laughs> kind of crazy to see that. Um, there's other stuff going on. Uh, Bradley Beal reportedly not happy that the Wizards hired Wes Unsell Jr. to be their next head coach. I think he wanted Sam Cassell as his oh, okay. uh, next yeah, head coach. Is what I, was conf- saying. I was confused by that. Like, why wouldn't yeah. you want Wes? But if you wanted a guy like Sam, who's been kind of waiting his turn for opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA, I can respect that. Yeah, I think he wanted – it said he wanted Sam Cassell, so – that whole situation in Washington is is really interesting because you have someone like a Russell Westbrook who I, I just don't know if you can win a title with him as your main guy. And, and he struggled in some playoff games. He played well in others. You have Bradley Beal over there who's maybe demanded a trade, maybe not, who doesn't seem super happy with the direction the team is going. 
I don't know where that team goes from here. They have a pretty good base of young guys, but they're superstars and the guys that, that were homegrown, not not happy, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, you don't really get that full season with like a Thomas Bryant and a um, Mo Wagner and a uh, Rui Hashimura, right? If you're Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook because of injury throughout all the three of them at periodically throughout time in the NBA. So like you don't really know what you really got really until you come into the season next year. And that was my whole thing with like James Harden. Like you don't even know what you have until it's gone for real. Now you go over yeah. here and you expecting this guy to play well and he's hurt. Meanwhile, James, uh, John Wall could have played the whole season. If the team wasn't terrible, And you probably could have been in good position to win some ball games and being a playoff hunt for Houston, being a great player that you are, James Harden, you are a great offensive player, without a doubt. I will give him that, but he a sucker for show. He a sucker for leaving Houston, always. Uh, and the final thing people are talking about, Ben Simmons reportedly is not answering any of, Fina, uh, of Philadelphia's phone calls, which I think is hilarious because, listen, it's like one of those, you don't see it happening, you don't see that you've been traded, you you haven't been traded yet. If you don't take that phone call, they can't trade you. They, they can't let you know. Then they can't trade you. It's it's really a big brain move by Ben Simmons oh, at that point. No, no. If he, you know if, he that if you can't tell him he's been <laughs> traded, he hasn't been traded. That's that's just how it works. In 2021, you know that is not it. Because <laughs> my phone ass, your phone will tell you you've been traded. <laughs> hey, he may have just thrown his whole phone out. He's he's living remotely at this point. He's off the grid. No one's telling him anything. He's just gonna show up to Philadelphia and day one of training camp, and that's that. Off the grid, he needs to be on the court. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he needs to be on the court shooting. That's what he needs to be doing, working on those free throws. A whole lot of more than that. Shoot that jump shot. He needs to get in the gym. Damn being off the grid, get in the gym, on the court. <laughs> That's hopefully why he's not answering the calls. They're just calling in the middle of a workout session, and he's just not calling them back. There you go. So that's it, buddy. That's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. I'm Zach Badgerhouse. That was my main man. Ben Wittenstein, of course. You can find him on Sharp Lessons. Yes, sir. Giving out them interviews. I saw you. I saw you last week. I saw you giving out that interview last week to the uh, who was that last guest? Well, we talked to I talked to Maggie Hendricks about the Olympics, which is great. And that's on the stadium Twitter feed if you all want to do that. But we're going to be having some fun to people talking about betting the NBA draft and talking about betting NFL coming up in a couple weeks. So we've got a lot of good guests scheduled to come up for that. That's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. I was Zach Badgerhouse. That was Ben Wittenstein. Make sure you follow us on our social medias, respectively, of course. Make sure you follow Tape Don't Lie and subscribe to that. Presented by Michael Felder. That will be coming out very, very soon this upcoming August. You can already subscribe and be prepared for the first episode next month. That's going to conclude this edition of Points in the Paint Podcast. You'll hear from us next week. <laughs>